Hello and welcome along to G'day GA, brought to you in association with O'Neill's International Sportswear, the choice of champions. Please visit O'Neill's Austra- Australasia on O'Neill Sports AU on Instagram and on Facebook. I'm delighted to be joined this evening here by the one and only Johnny Heenhan Giggles. Thanks for coming along, Giggles. No, thanks for having me, Liam. Great to be here. Shawnee, unfortunately, isn't with us. He's working late tonight and we don't have him, which is a pity, uh, but he sends his apologies. I know he had a lot to say tonight, especially after last week's episode. Giggles, we might cover first what we're going to cover on, on today's episode. We're going to have a look at a very exciting weekend ahead in the Munster Championship. We've got two brilliant games. Um, we've also had the Leinster Championship in Carlow and Dublin and a look back at Wexford and Galway. We have another Giggles corner, I believe. Nice and short one today, Liam, yeah. Yeah, looking forward. Hopefully not as controversial as last week. Yeah, no, I'll controversy now. We'll get to that in a second now with the, with the feedback we got on Twitter. Um, and also we have very special guests coming up first, actually, is Tom Murphy, who's involved with Western Australia GEA over in Perth and making history in that they're sending a football team over to Fail in a Gale, the John West... Is it John West Salmon? Is that what's called now? John West Salmon, yeah. John West Salmon, Fail in a Gale, on in Connacht, um, coming up very soon. So we're going to have him on the line to talk about that, which is fantastic for... Australia to be able to be sending a team over to the Fela. But first up, Giggles, we had the tweets, so you can get in touch with us on Twitter on Akadegea, the same on Facebook and also on Instagram. Um, Giggles had a very controversial Giggles corner um, last week with Soft All Ireland's and Hard All Ireland's. Um, first, some positive feedback, Giggles. We had a tweet in from Kevin Gary at Kevin Gary. Great job, Giggles, with the hardest All Ireland one. Beating the Holy Trinity 97 was certainly doing it the hard way. A lot of late Sunday nights coming up, lads, on the banner. He was definitely a clear man, I was about yeah, to say. Yeah, clear <laughs> man there. Um, Derek O'Donnell always tuning in to us and tweeting into us as well, saying, accepting some bias on my part, but surely Limerick having to get through the championship, having played, everyone surpasses the All Ireland wins in the older format. So I think it's a fair point. It's a fair point, but then again, Limerick lost the game and they also didn't beat Cork in normal time across two games. So I kind of took both of those into consideration um, when I did that and I was kind of thinking, well, they drew two, they won after extra time in one of them and they lost one. So they, they, like Claire and Kilkenny and the guys back in the olden days didn't get a second bite of the cherry at all. Like uh, 1996 was a great example when Claire were the All-Ireland champions and Kieran Carey went up and scored the wonder point in the first round of the Munster Championship and there you go, the All-Ireland champions are out. Yeah, and Derek also had a bit of a disagreement around the soft All-Irelands. He was saying, Giggles, how can 2008 be softer than a number of All-Irelands in the 80s when there's a number of genuinely capable teams was very small? Uh, yeah, possibly so. It was probably six or seven teams um, probably a bit before my time getting into it, but if he's any, if Derek has any kind of specifics that he wants to mention there, n- no problem. He may be mentioning the Galway ones because back in those days, Galway had to win two games and they won in All Ireland, so he may have a point with that. Yeah, and also some some positive feedback then from Derek saying the best analysis and insights yet on last week's podcast. Sunday game could learn a lot from you boys, so you. we'll take that. We'll take that, Derek. And I did tweet that onto the Sunday game. No feedback yet no from, feedback. The, from Joanne. Okay. No feedback from Joanne or Des. Um, but he said in relation to Austin Gleeson and, and and the comparisons to Canning um, and Callan, um is spot on. But is the difference that the other two remained in forwards while Austin Gleeson has been moved everywhere, making it harder for him? Yeah, it's it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see now with with, with um, Philip Mahoney out this weekend. Does Austin Gleeson go back into the half back line and just give him a, a role back there? I, I believe that's what will happen. Um, but we'll see this weekend. 
We also got a tweet in from Stephen White in Chicago saying, listen in every Saturday morning from Chicago only to hear Marty Morrissey's commentary of this scene in 2013. Um, and he said that Donald Donovan reminded him of it in Madison, Wisconsin a couple of weeks ago over a few beers. Oh, it was, <laughs> I tell you, I was at that game and I remember leaving thinking, with about 30 seconds ago, thinking Corker after robbing in All-Ireland here. And I was disgusted because I think... Everyone who was a neutral was shouting for Clare and then your man went up the, 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 the line and stuck it over the bar and I think every Cork man and his dog turned around and slammed the programme down in the seat. <laughs> we also got a tweet in from Tommy O'Neill talking about soft dollar and said Galway 88 leaps to mind London awfully tip. London awfully tip. Interesting. Yeah, fair enough? That's yeah. a fair soft one yeah. now, Ferris. Now the tip Galway rivalry back in those three years was intense uh, and the Tipperary final if I'm right would, would have been won by three or four points is all so but London and Offaly, yeah, you can't argue with that. And also we had a tweet in from Richie Shea. Um, he said, I'd argue you missed a trick on what's wrong with the Austin piece. He is slash was overrated and didn't deserve plenty of the accolades as the work rate, greediness and going absent for long periods has always been part of his makeup. Jesus. Yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a bit of a tough bit of analysis. And I think there's a lot of people around the country really getting an Austin Gleason's back and I think I'll go back to the point that we were trying to use as a comparison last week like when you do compare him to TJ Reid and these guys they went through the same thing in their early 20s lots of um, pressure on their shoulders maybe didn't have the work rate maybe didn't have the maturity to have this performance consistently and I'm I'm hoping Austin learns from it and he, and he goes on to be a Ken McGrath style player um, which he has the ability to do um, but Look, I think the people who are having a need let Austin Gleeson are probably doing it from a, a jealousy position because there's nobody has the, the talent the man has. Take his point, obviously his work rate was very, very bad last week. You mm. can't argue with that point. So, look, fingers crossed Austin comes up trumps this Sunday. Yeah, we're looking forward to previewing that. Also, Richie was saying that Shawnee has the Cork team perfectly handled major loss, but Kearney is the cog that keeps it turning. Not fully buying that tip team in Waterford uh, better than bare result last time. Agree with loads. So we're getting some agreement out there, Giggles, as well. Yes. Shawnee's getting very positive feedback. Yours, up and down. Sure. But you've always had that kind of up and down relationship with, yeah. with, with the listeners. Shawnee's a crowd pleaser, he's Yeah, he is, yeah. He tows the party line a lot. <laughs> All right, well, that's it for the tweets. Um, get in touch again on GetAGA on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and also GetAGA at gmail.com. So coming up first, we've got Tom Murphy on from Western Australia looking ahead to their trip over to Ireland for Fianna Gael. Delighted to join on the line by Tom Murphy from Western Australia. GEA, thanks very much for joining us over on Perth, Tom. Thanks for having me on, Liam. Tom, very, very exciting times. We have Western Australia sending a team over for Fianna Gael in Connacht very, very shortly. How are preparations going and how did it come about? Well, Liam, yeah, as you said, very exciting times over here. Um, it came about... Late last year, our tour manager, John Wheelan, came up with the idea of sending a team to Fela after we had sent the team over to the Australasian State Games held in Melbourne, 
over which a good sales last year. And we identified a gap um, for children coming out of our junior academy, um, gap between 13 to, to 15. And we thought, well, what would be, how are we going to fill that? So we were racking our brains and John Whelan came up with the idea that we send a team to Fela and it's a way of getting kids at, uh, between the ages of 13 and 15 to play Gaelic football and to play GA in Western Australia. So that has started off. And then in January, then we, we started advertising for trials and we held five weeks of trials, which finished just before Easter. We picked a squad of 21. And they've been training away for the last number of weekends um, in John the 23rd um, College in Claremont, and thanks to them, and then up in Kareen and the Northern Suburbs and Parts. So preparations are going very well, and they're very excited. Now, this is countdown is on just about a month, four weeks from, from this Sunday before they take off for Dublin. It's amazing, Tom, to be making a trip across from Australia to play in the Fela. Like, I know you have teams come from New York previously and you have teams come from London in, in last year's one, but to come from Australia to send an under-14 team, like, I don't think, like, even people would ever envisage that, even though there's a, such a strong Gaelic Games population in part and such a strong Irish population, like, you must have a huge sense of pride that this is actually happening. Yeah, and it's it, we do, and it's as far as I'm aware, it's the first time a team um, has competed failure from Australia or New Zealand. Um, so it is. It's historic. It's historic not only from Western Australia GA, but also for GA in, in Australia, and New Zealand. Um, the I, I suppose from the from just talking about our junior academy, a lot of those kids go home on summer holidays. And the team, the members of the squad for the Fela, they go home on summer holidays. They they meet other kids in Ireland who've taken part in cool camps and that in Ireland. And they the junior academy over here does a little bit about that. So there, there's that connection in Ireland. Um, but I suppose it is, when you think about it, it is pretty pretty mega, you know, to send a team from Perth uh, with all the logistics that goes in, with all the behind-the-scenes stuff that goes in. Um, it, is, it is brilliant, you know, and, and look, it's historic and, and we're very proud in Western Australia that we're able to be to send a team and also to have the support, you know, of the GA in Western Australia, the other states like yourselves, that, that proposal to send a team was put to Congress in Melbourne in February and all the other states supported us wholeheartedly on that. Um, so hopefully we'll go over there now and we'll give it a good shot and then it might, another state might take it on and, and to help the development of underage GA and then by extension um, to, lead, to, to kind of copper fasten um, future GA down under going forward. Tom, Tom that's, that, it's amazing what you're doing. Do you, do you want to tell us a small bit about the um, club in Ireland that's hosting you, who, who they are and, and how you've been kind of communicating with those guys? Yeah, um, Giggles, the club who's hosting us is St. Bridget's, who are an amalgamation in, in County Limerick, or County Leitrim, sorry. They're uh, over near the border with Cavan. Um, in our group, there are um, Oren from Roscommon and Becca from Mead. And we've been communicating with them really through email at the moment, and we're kind of waiting on the pairings. That has, that has come out from um, Connacht, council um in the last couple of weeks um, so we have a a um very uh, a, a packed itinerary itinerary um, if you'll allow me to go through it, go um, it yeah. that will, 
yeah, we're visiting a couple of clubs. So the plan is that we depart Perth on the 23rd of June. We land in Dublin on the 24th. We're going to travel and do a bit of training in Aaron's Isle GA Club because we're staying in DCU. And we also hope while we're in Dublin then to meet uh, the Australian ambassador to Ireland, uh, His Excellency Richard Andrews. We're kind of been hosted by Croke Park for a lunch and a tour yeah, with them. Yeah, I heard Australasia helped yeah. organise that. That's fantastic, Tom. Yeah, yeah. And, and I just want to put on record our, our, our thanks in, in WA um, on behalf of everyone here to Gerald uh, Rowe and the Australian Council for the help they've given us. And also to Croke Park to Anne Gibney, the international officer over there, um, their support and assistance greatly appreciated by us. Um, and after, on the Tuesday after we visit Croke Park, we travel down to a had a GA club in County Cork for a, a challenge game. And Ahad is also the home club of a um, of a, a well-known and well-loved uh, late member of the GA here in Western Australia, Charlie McCarthy. Um, so nice. we'll go visit his home club on the Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday then, we um, they'll, the lads will go up to Bunratty Castle uh, in County Clare, my own county. And then they'll travel on up to County Westmead and they'll play a challenge game against Delvin GA Club which is the home club of, of another late member of the association here in Perth, Dermot Kenny. And then on the 27th, then they'll head over to County Leitrim and they'll they'll stay um, kind of around the Ballinmore area um, and Aha William uh, GA Club, uh, which is part of the amalgamation with St. Bridget's. And then it's just uh, training and prep and everything is done and we'll get set to take part in Fela over the weekend. And Tom, do you think the kids have an idea of what's ahead of them? Like, as in... I'd love to be going over doing that trip myself as a player. Do the kids realise yeah. like how, what an amazing time they're going to have? Because I remember back in Kilkenny, we under fourteen, we lost to Fela finally in Kilkenny, and we didn't get to go to Fela. I was on in Belfast that year, and we we're devastated. Mm. And I know Dixborough mm. have gone lots of times since, and they've won it a couple of times. And I know they're going this year again. And the excitement yeah. in the whole club, like I know our club yeah. in Dixborough is so pumped about going again that like loads of families and just older people in the club will go like what's the excitement levels yeah. like over in part amongst the kids and their, and their families well we have I mean there an awful lot of families are going are travelling over to Ireland because of the links family links and and, and, and that uh, I don't think the kids actually have an idea um, the majority of kids are Australian born and they've obviously heard about Ireland but they have no actual connection with going back on summer holidays for the kids who do go back in summer holidays, you know, we'd, we'd be teasing them that they're, you know, they're going to be on farms and they're going to be out playing football and working. Um, <laughs> just, just, just teasing them, you know, but I don't think overall they don't have a, an idea of what's ahead of them. I mean, just looking at the stats, there's 358 teams taking part. There's 851 games in the whole weekend across uh, 44 centres in Connacht uh, spread over the five Connacht counties. So they don't. And I mean, it's it's. I, I think us adults who are aware, but the, 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 all the behind the, the support team, the mentors who are travelling over, uh, we're on a high. We're more excited than the kids. Um, well, I, I, you know, so... Um, but no, I don't think the kids don't really have a concept. Um, but I, I think they will once, you know, going around doing traveling around Ireland, meeting the Australian ambassador. I think visiting Croke Park will be a big thing for them as well. I believe they're doing they're doing the the climb along the the roof of the stadium as well. Is that right? Well, well, we'll see. I haven't heard about that yet. But but look, if they, if they do it and they're happy to do it, that that's that's fine as well. But um, um, look, it's going to be a great trip. I mean, I can't go myself. 
Um, but um, I'm excited for them. So it, it, it'd be absolutely brilliant. And Tom, obviously I know from, like I said, being back at home in Dixborough, the fundraising that goes into sending a team in Ireland 100 kilometres yeah. up the road is absolutely massive. Yeah. I can't imagine the fundraising required to send a group of 20 young lads plus their parents from Perth to Ireland for that length of a trip. How have you gone about that and how are you tracking? Yeah, we're, we're doing very well. I mean, you're up over, I mean, broadly speaking, you're up over the $50,000 mark uh, to fundraise to send a team across. Um, we're delighted where our sponsors, uh, FT Workforce, uh, are our, our main sponsors. And, and thank you very much to Thomas Dunn and everybody involved in the company there. But we've literally had, uh, we have a lot of other sponsors as well. And they've given what they can, what they can, um, and we want to just put on record our, our, our thanks to them. But this sponsorship is an ongoing effort. This started in January. We, when we started with the trials, we also went looking for sponsorship. So it's been it's been five five months. Um, they, as they, Australasia uh, have have kindly sponsored a set of jerseys for us. Um, Croke Park are helping us out with a bus. Um, and that so there's a lot of little things but a lot of people have come together to make this trip a reality and, and thank you very much to all of them Tom, Tom that, 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 that's, that's, that's amazing again but in terms of the team that's going over yourselves are, are you confident of winning a few games over there I guess I'm sure all the guys who are going over they play a little bit of Aussie rules maybe some of them do some of them don't so they'll be in good competition over there will they? They do I mean a, a lot of us have said um, a lot of them are native born um, nearly all of them play Aussie rules um, or play soccer um, they, we have a couple of, of guys who are state representatives for WA and junior footy um, so they're, they're very good um, so I like we'd, we'd they're very good they've picked up the skills uh, obviously you know stuff, stuff like going down on the ball would be alien to them but they're learning week by week um, we're in boys. We're in the Division Twelve of the boys competition, um, and we, you know, we can only go there and and we'll go there and enjoy it. And if we win a few matches, um, you know, that would be brilliant. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, but I mean, we I suppose we'll we'll have our preparation games against Ahada and Delvin, and we'll see where we are with those. But you know, we're not going out there. We're not going. To Ireland with the attitude we're going to lose every game. Yeah. Certainly not. We were going there with, with the confidence behind us. I, I remember. I remember when the the Australian under seventeen international rules team came over to play an Ireland team, maybe about fifteen mm. years ago. The 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 size of the Australian seventeen year olds compared to the Irish guys was was crazy. They were were way bigger. Have you got a few yeah. big guys on your team that the the opposition might be checking the birth certs for? <laughs> we do, we do. And, and, <laughs> I was thinking and, he might. <laughs> uh, we do, and uh, you know, it's 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 very hard. I was doing all the gear and everything, you know, and sizing gear and all that sort of stuff. And uh, you know, that's nearly nearly one of the most difficult things is that you know uh, what what size do they take? Because this thirteen year thirteen year old kid comes up to you, but he's as tall as you. You know, so <laughs> what do you do? What do you do there? Yeah. But they're all. I, I must say, they're all. There, there are a few big guys there. Um, I think some of the teams will play. Um, will be surprised. You know, at how skilled they are. Um, fielding. Obviously, you know, in Australia, the the their their physical fitness. Um, uh, being able to run. Um, being able to operate in high temperatures is, is a very good thing and a, a great thing they have. Yeah. So. 
what they don't have that Irish kids might have, you know, they'd be able to make up. They'd be able to make up for, you know. So it'll, 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 it'll I'm sure it'll all balance out in the end, Giggles. Yeah, yeah. Look, what's really special about the failure, though, I think, is the the way that you're hosted by the families and the clubs. And I think mm. with the with the guys going over and the families going over, that's something that they'll end up having for life. You know, I know people in Dixborough are still in touch with some of their host no. families and vice versa when Dixborough hosted yeah. families a couple of years ago when they did the failure. So to have those connections back into Ireland for those kids, it's a trip of a lifetime and also for the, any of their parents or guardians going as well. And for the, the officials like yourselves, Tom, that are going over from Western Australia, GEA, mm. uh, it's just so exciting. And I think, like you said, you're you're lighting the candle for the rest of Austra- Australasia and Australia and New Zealand. I know Victoria are very keen to get to the Fela in some mm. stage in the future as well. So it's an amazing feat that some people would have said wouldn't have been possible, you know? Uh, yeah. I'd say, yeah. and that's $50,000. Like, you know, it's it's no small change to get that money together for a trip like that. So I just think huge congratulations to everyone involved in Western Australia GA for, I suppose, flying the flag for all of us here and, and bringing it back home. Yeah, and and, and and thank you, Liam. And I just say, just so you say the the, the heritage and whatever, tell you another story. John Wheelan, our state manager, uh, took part in Fela for for his his um, his home club in Offaly when Fela was held in Clare in 1986. Now, Cratlow, the club I'm from in Clare, won the Division Two title in hurling in 1986. So. The, the circuit, it's nearly come full circle because myself and John were chatting about it. And he said, we stayed in Ennis in 1986. And I said, yeah, Fela was in Clare in 1986 because won Division 2. So it's great for, for myself and him to have a chat like that. And as you say, you know, you you have your memories with Dixborough as well. So it's it's just brilliant that, that we've grown up with Fela. We're now able to pass it on to a new generation of Irish and Australian kids. And hopefully that'll expand out to Victoria and the work that's been done with, with Kids GA Melbourne and then the work that's been done in South Australia and New Zealand and Queensland and all over the place. So it's just brilliant. Yeah, well, look, congratulations, Tom. We'll be, we'll be keeping a close eye on how things are going. And we might even put a call into some of the, the Western Australia mentors when they're back in Ireland in a few weeks' time. We might get them on the line um, to see how we're going over there. Yeah, and anything, anything we can do for you that way, no bother, give us a shout and we'll certainly look after you. Brilliant. Thanks very much for joining us, Tom. Best of luck, Tom. Best of luck in the field. Thanks, Liam. Take care, Tom. Thanks, Liam. Take care. Bye. Great gigs to have Tom on there. Like, I still can't get my head around that, what they're doing. Yeah, I brought back memories. I remember when I played in Fela, we played twice, but... We actually didn't win the failure. We hosted it two years in a row in Waterford. And the first year we played would have been Tommy Welch, who would be a year older than me. And I remember going down watching the semi-final. We had Bally Bowden, who hammered us. Um, and we, everyone was talking about this little midget playing cornerback for Tullerone. And he was unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> And yeah. that was Tommy Welch. And the following year, then, we had Glenn Rovers and Atten Rydown with us. And we 
lost to Glen Rovers but beat Atten Wright so we, we just missed out on a semi-final spot but um, it's, uh, it's amazing and uh, I kind of describe them maybe the state games over here sometimes as failing the gale for adults you yeah know, it is to, a bit you, like that you get to go away you get to stay with your team you get to have a few drinks and enjoy it then and there's the infamous fail in a gale disco on the Saturday night that, that, that when you're 13 or 14 years of age you love going to so it's an amazing tournament and it's an amazing story from the, the WA team going over and fair play to Tom and all the guys yeah it's fantastic so best of luck to them we'll be keeping a close eye on them um, but obviously coming up this weekend back at home we're going to have a look at Munster now we've got Waterford and Limerick Giggles I know you're not feeling too good about this one I know I'll put a message up on, on the WhatsApp we hit me and Giggles and Sean have a WhatsApp saying Warford hadn't won a championship game since 2017 semi-final against Cork <laughs> Giggles wrote back well don't need to come up with that stat on your own but an interesting one Martin Breton in Independence said it's the longest run of games without a win since the 1920s for Waterford if you were to go like championship games I know there was only one a few after other, one yeah, after yeah, yeah. since the 1920s so that's Martin Bradley's stat now that's not my stat yeah. but like Parry Fanning also in that same article was saying he can't see Watford doing anything but fight for their lives and that's what they're doing this this weekend yeah they, they are I, I like I hear murmurings coming out that the Brick is going to start that Morris is going to start that Kieran Bennett is going to start I, I'm thinking that they have to put Austin back wing back um with Philip Mahoney out to strengthen that and they have to put Kevin Moran back up into the forwards as a bit of a physical presence so you can imagine you'd have a totally different dynamic to Waterford if you'd Kevin Moran and the Brick and Morris starting which Welsh Park would suit those three guys because it's not a big pitch to get around and then have the likes of Stephen Bennett Park Mahoney Tommy Ryan coming in around it and kind of getting the getting the balls off those guys to take the score so it's I, I don't know what to think of this game because I think I think somebody on the, on the Sunday game said that, that actually they may have given Watford a chance if Limerick didn't lose last week. But Limerick are already after getting the kick in the hole. And I'd say John Kiley is, <clears throat> is seething out the performance in the second half against Cork. So it's a very hard one to call because I'm sure Limerick have very, very little, if any, experience of playing in Welsh Park. It's a very, very tight field. They play a really expansive game where they leave uh, Graham Mulcahy and um, Gillan inside. We talked about it the last day that this pitch does not suit wing forwards and it does not suit corner forwards. So, but on the flip side, John Conlon and Shane O'Donnell played it to a tee. The two yeah. of them stayed right in the middle of the goal, split right and split left for the balls into the corners where there was space and were able to take on the Waterford full back line and they did that very successfully. So, look, I can't, I can't see anything but a Limerick win here. Like I'd love to say, Jesus, this is the probably most pessimistic I've ever been about a Waterford game going into it in since 1998 I'd imagine um, yeah. they just don't look like they're in great shape they, 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 I suppose not great shape it's around here in terms of their structure and how they're playing and what their game plan is Ty DeBurka seems to be lost until he finds himself during the game Jamie Barron's not himself and I think, does that come back to like under Derek McGrath they had such a like a rigid system that they all bought into and every single person knew their job and you knew, as you call them, the finishers they were back in 2017. They all came on and you knew what their job was going to do for that last 15, 20 minutes. A bit like Limerick last year, to a certain extent. Uh, Limerick played with their, their same 15 nearly the whole way through. And it was off the bench that nearly won all those key games from Limerick. They had massive scores from off the bench in all the key games. Yeah. Whereas Walford this year, they're a bit rudderless. I don't think they don't have any defined way of playing like they used to that system that they were so well honed even some people didn't like it but it was still a system that they knew and trusted oh exactly but, but I think even if you didn't even bring it back to even to further basics 
if you look at the two games in Munster this year that Tipperary annihilated teams, you have to say Cork forward did not work at all and they left their whole backline exposed. And you'd have to pick out maybe Austin Gleeson and um, Patrick Curran in particular uh, did not work at all off the ball or chasing their man and just let the Tipperary half-back line and full-back line walk out with the ball, pinpoint John Bubbles O'Dwyer or John McGrath or Jason Ford or James Callan. They're going to destroy you if you allow them to do that. Um, I think they need a really workmanlike performance this this weekend. I don't think they're going to win this with a game plan change or, or anything like that. They have to just say for 70 minutes we're going to actually die in our swords and that means chasing down every last cause, every last ball and hoping that they hit a patch like they did against Clare in the All-Ireland quarter-final where they scored 30 points and they just couldn't miss. Because Welsh Park is a pitch like that. You can probably score from everywhere. Um, but I think Limerick just have they're going to be too sore if they lose this they're potentially out of the All-Ireland Championship so the unbeatable team like Tipperary were three years ago or two years ago like Galway were last year if Limerick lose this game and there's huge pressure on them so that's why it's so difficult to call or see what's going to happen I I can imagine the first half in particular maybe the first 25 minutes will be helter-skelter and it might get back to a kind of harder Munster Championship and there'll be sticks flying and hurls broken and um uh, I'd imagine Waterford are definitely going to have to, as you said, fight for their lives. I just can't see him winning this weekend. Interestingly for Limerick as well, it's such a different dynamic that they're coming into this weekend compared to just two weeks ago when they were coming off the crest of a wave. Um, I was reading in Independent as well that Keane Lynch was pulled from immediately opportunity with, with Centre this week. You know, they always have these photo shoots in midweek. He was pulled from it. So yeah. Limerick are kind of batting down the hatches now, getting everyone on message ready for Sunday. And a big thing, like you said as well, and what's been commented on widely, is that Limerick probably could have one of the strongest panels in the competition, but they're not using it. And right throughout the league, and even right up to now, the only change from the other final team was was Peter Casey. Yeah. And I think if you look back at the like the teams who've done well and done back to back Ireland's, like the, up to pick out Kilkenny, but just because you won Ireland the year before, there was ridiculous competition the next year. Like Brian Cody dropped big name players after winning Ireland finals, and then they might have come back in. Like likes of Eddie Brennan was dropped at times, Michael Cavanaugh was dropped at times, multiple all-star, multiple Ireland winning players. So I think he will mix up the team for this game on on, on yeah. Sunday. I think we will see a, a different variation of that Limerick team, and I think that's required to say, look, lads, there's no one guaranteed a place here. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think John Kiley's kind of hinted at it in the media during the week that he's going to change up one or two players. I know there's a perception that they might have the strongest panel in the competition, but like, take Shane Dowling away because he's like the darling guy here, and he's an unbelievably accurate player and he scores a lot when he comes on, but he probably isn't in, and he doesn't look like he's in the condition to play 70 minutes, right? And I know he's a big bone lad and he's played full game for him before, but when you take out all the other players they have in their panel, there's, there's no one really like jumping out at you. Like you would have a Keane Lynch or you would have a... Graham Mulcahy or you would have one of the Morrisseys or you would have a Declan Hannon or their full back line like their 1-15 to I feel is a lot stronger than what's on the bench even though their bench is strong I, I think there could be a bit of mystique around the Limerick panel and the quality of them like you've guys like O'Donoghue coming on maybe Murphy but when these guys came on they were like the finishers for Waterford back in the day they were coming on against a tired back line in Cork who had to bring on injured players because they didn't trust their bench at all so You'd wonder, are they as strong, uh, or is there a bit of mystique around that? Mm. It'll be interesting. An interesting one to play out. Tips, giggles. I, I'm tipping Limerick this week. First, yeah. I'll tip against Warford, but I'm tipping Limerick. Yeah. yeah, I think they'll have to. They'll they'll have to win. 
I think when it comes down to it, Limerick probably have too much to lose compared to Waterford, and I think that might get them over the line. Yeah, look, I'm going to go for Limerick one myself as well, just because of Waterford, I think, are in, in disarray. Um, but backs up in home home territory. Yeah. I'm hoping it could be it could be a cracker. I'm looking for it. It could be a, a battle. It could be, but and then you go back to the other stat that only one of the four games so far has been won by the home team, as opposed to last the, year. The, the last year, yeah. it was a different stat, so... We'll see. We'll see how it goes. What time is that on that Sunday? That's the one at two o'clock Irish time, eleven o'clock. You stay up. I'll stay up for that one. Yeah, I think I might stay up and watch that one as well. All right. Um. Well, obviously another fantastic game coming up is Clare and Tip in Ennis. Again, similar kind of ground to Walsh Park in one way, kind of tight ground, everyone in on top of each other. Um, Tip are probably favourites for this game coming in, uh, given the big scores they've racked up. But I fancy Clare to cause a bit of an upset there this Sunday. Yeah, it's a, it's, a good, it's a good point. I think they're very similar teams. I think both of them have six excellent forwards who are all willing, are willing and able to score 1-3 or 1-4. And you wouldn't say, Jesus, your man scored 1-3. And the, both sides then have question marks over their back line. Um, arguably, I reckon the clear full back line is probably very strong, but their half back line is very weak. And the Tipperary half back line seems to be very strong, especially from an aerial perspective. And their full back line, there may be question marks about. So it is a very interesting game. We, we spoke with Tom Murphy there just uh, when he ended the call and he was he was chatting about the flatter to deceive element of clear. And we've said that so many times on this podcast that they can control games like they did in the Munster final last year, like they did in Welsh Park, and just allow teams to come back into it because they're not ruthless enough in terms of putting them away and really going for the juggler when, when the opportunity arises. So... It's going to be it's going to be a cracker. I think I heard a stat that Tipperary have won eight of the last ten games that they've played. Tipperary and Clare, whereas when you go back to the mid nineties, Clare really had the stranglehold over Tipperary and they couldn't get a win. Um, it's it, it's going to be a cracker. The, the both of them are very interesting. Two undefeated teams against two teams who don't have a, and and then another one two teams who don't have a win at all. So it's uh, I'm finding it hard to to pick a winner on this one. I think like yourself, I think maybe the Clare home venue on this one would really rally clear they'll put that pressure on the tip forwards and it'll be the real first test that Tipperary forwards will have for a full 70 minutes and it'll be interesting to see how they perform if they do that I'd give clear every chance yeah I think it comes down to the, the true test because he, he said back 230 they scored last or two weeks ago against Waterford the racked up was a 228 against Cork like that will win any match I can't see them getting that score against Clare on Sunday you know I think the typical score of winning hurling match now is probably 27, 28, 29 points Whereas seven or eight years ago it was 23, 24, 25 points. So the scoring average to win is quite high um, now. But Clare are a high scoring team as well on their day. So I think it could be a bit of a shootout. Um, and it depends on who gets on top, obviously, in that kind of middle eight. That'd be the key, the key ground. And especially that tip half back line. If that tip half back line are quietened and their distribution is, is lowered, I think Clare would be in a great chance. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go for Clare. Giggles is going for Clare. We'll be definitely tuning in for the 11 o'clock game. I'm sh- Giggles, I'm sure you'll fall into the trap of staying up lo- at 1 o'clock to watch the second one, will you? I might, because it's clear and tip. <laughs> yeah. I'll be very interested in it. Um, yeah. well, we'll see how we go. All right, well, coming up next, we're going to have Giggles' corner. But Giggles, if there's one player you could have playing for Warford on Sunday, I think it might be this man. A phenomenal man that has contributed so much to Warford hurling over the last 20 years. And if every fella gave what he gave... Who knows what we would have won. That's a huge one. All the way in. But once again, Ken McGrath standing strong, indestructible at number six. 
retrasting the parker, I didn't flick either on Leroy the stock in the lava because I cast and drawn cool because I done. Being Ken McGrath, I'm sorry. We've been unlucky not to win all Ireland, but I don't have to find any of our generation. We've been involved in some of the best games of all time. We lifted a whole generation of hurling people in Waterford. We have from Northern Ireland, but I'll be honest, the team will be remembered. We're watching one of the great artists of our time. Ken McGrath, unbelievable. Tosh ain't a mastrack. He was an absolute <laughs> wizard. Um, yeah, Ken McGrath was one of the best players of all time. He yeah. was, and, and, and he's, he's a realist as well. And like, if you think of Waterford hurling pre-1998 when he came on the scene... Like he made his debut in 1996 actually as a minor. He played Waterford minor and he played senior the same year. Um, they lost to Tipperary 116 to 113. And I remember Ken, the Tipperary goal came. Ken McGrath was playing wing forward and he got done for throwing the ball up and catching it. And the subsequent free went down and Tipperary got a goal. And I remember I was in the summer camp the next week and Ken McGrath was, was coming around to the summer camp and we were all asking him, did you throw it up, Ken? Did you throw it up and catch it or did you not? He goes, I didn't. <laughs> he was like 18 years of age. Yeah. Sure he was playing senior hurling. But um, yeah, he, 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 he was one of the good ones. And it actually leads lovely into that, this Giggles Corner actually. Oh. And you didn't even know what I was didn't happening. even know. There you go. But, um, is it a Giggles Corner on Ken McGrath? No, it's not. It's not. But um, it was actually, the, the thought jumped into my mind from the Roscommon Mayo game actually last weekend. It was a big shock. Um, Roscommon's first win in McHale Parks in 1986. So I just decided I'd, I'd come up and talk through the five biggest shocks in the All-Ireland Hurling Championship over the last 30 years. So from 1990 to now. Lovely, okay. And I haven't put them in any order in terms of the biggest shock and the worst shock from one to five. So we'll go through them by year. So we'll start with the latest and we'll get to the most recent. Is okay, that fair sounds good. So the, the, the first biggest shock, and I remember it was one of the first games I was ever at as a, as a kid. Um, I was about seven years of age. I was down in Welsh Park, and Kerry beat Waterford 4.13 to 3.13 down in Welsh Park in the first round of the Munster Championship. Um, Waterford hurling wasn't going great at the time, but at the same time, the year before, 1992, in Nolan Park in a replay, we had won the All-Ireland Under-21 final. So there was an element of... Waterford could be rising. Now, unfortunately, it was it took until 1998 for that Waterford team to get going. But in that particular match, Paul Flynn made his debut as a 19-year-old. He scored 3-2 and ended up on the losing side. But uh, there was a, a Kerry goalie. I think his name was Johnny Welch. And he scored 1-1 for Kerry. Unbelievable. A, a big, massive point from his own 45 when it wasn't the thing that was happening back then. And a big, same... T- Similar type three went into the top corner of the net. The goalie dropped it in. I can't remember who the goalie was. That was the a big shock. Him, but it was a big shock, 1993. Um, the second then biggest shock, I guess, was 1998. It was a Kilkenny one. Kilkenny had hammered Offaly in the, um, Leicester. In the Leinster final. Yeah. Um, Brian Wheelahan was dying with the flu. This was the All-Ireland final, obviously. 216 to 113 it finished. Kilkenny started off very well. Charlie Carter got a great goal. Um, Brian Whelan ended up with 1-6 and really rubber stamped his name as one of the greats of all time Joe Irish, he got 1-2 John Troy was amazing and Kilkenny just couldn't that was like a special awfully team um, once in a generation that was a sickening one that one for Kilkenny like going in so yeah they red were hot so favorites. red hot and that was the, f- the last year Kilkenny played without Brian Cody I think Correct. it was one yeah. of the Fenleys was over them if I'm not yeah. mistaken would I be right in saying that Kevin Fenley yeah I think it was Kevin Fenley um they, they really looked like they were going to dominate that championship. They wanted to win another South Ireland. We won't go there. But <laughs> he was looking at me now like I have two heads. It, but it was a massive shock at the time. Everyone expected Clare to be in the final against Kilkenny. Yeah. 
it, it actually was the only All-Ireland where a team lost two games and won an All-Ireland. Um, Offaly lost to Kilkenny in the Leinster final and they lost to Clare when Jimmy Cooney blew the game up for two minutes too early. Am I right in saying, was that the first team to come in the back door and win the All-Ireland in Hurling? It was the first team to come in the back door and win the All-Ireland, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Tip probably Tip could have done it if John Lahey buried that goal in 1997, yeah. but he, he, Davey saved it and, and he fluffed the shot. But that was a massive upset. Definitely agreed. Yeah, agree, upset. agreed on that one. Um, this one now, the Ken McGrath one, leading lead nicely. 2002, Waterford hadn't won a Munster Championship in, in 39 years. Tipperary were the reigning All-Ireland champions from 2001. They had Owen Kelly, they had Benny Dunn, they had Paul Kelly, they had Eddie Enright, they had a great team. Nicky English was manager. And there wasn't much expected of this Waterford team, but you had, you had kind of upstarts like Owen Kelly and Owen McGrath and John Milan all kind of coming in to support the likes of Dan Shanahan, actually who wasn't starting that year. He just didn't have a great year. Ken McGrath. Then you had kind of the stalwarts like Brian Green and Fergal Hartley. And they won the game 223 to 223, 222 to 313. Yeah, it was a cracker. Cracking game. And Tip were kind of ahead for most of it until the last 15 minutes when Tony Brown goes to them behind uh, a long puck out from Stephen Brenner and pulled on the ball and whipped it to the net and Waterford took over there. There's an iconic point from Dave Bennett actually soloing down the sideline. On, under the right-hand side. Under the stand. Yeah. And they're going right up over um, the terrace kind of height. Ken McGrath scored seven points from play from centre-forward that day. Tony, um, Paul Flynn scored 1-6, probably about 1-3 or 4 from freeze. And it was it was, it was was a kickstart for Waterford hurling, Justin McCarthy's first year in. Um yeah, which was a it was an unbelievable game, and actually, and that was two thousand and two. There you go. Two thousand and four then was the next biggest shock. You probably think I'm picking Uncle Kenny, but it's only the big teams that get beaten or become when they become a shock. But you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, two fifteen Wexford, one sixteen Kilkenny. Um, Michael Jacob blocked down Peter Barry in the square. I think that was probably Peter Barry's last year playing for Kilkenny. I don't think he resurfaced in two thousand and fifteen, or two thousand and five, if I'm correct. I think they went with a fella called Edmund Kennedy at centre back in two thousand and five, and no, then that was back for. Oh, was it? Oh, that yeah. was two thousand and one. Sorry, yeah, you're yeah. right. Um, but he definitely didn't play in twenty six because I, I was twenty six because I checked that. Yeah. And I think they had who was in centre back for twenty six All Ireland final. Two thousand six All Ireland final. Yeah, was John Tennyson. Yes. Yeah. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Spot on. But this I, I was at. I'll tell you a bit of story about that you match. Can give, you can so give the on the, on the Saturday. I went to the Red Hot Chili Peppers concert in Phoenix Park and Kilkenny were playing the next day against Dublin or against Wexford in Crow Park I remember meeting these Wexford people walking out after the match after the concert on the Saturday night saying there's no point in going up tomorrow Kilkenny are going to hammer and blah blah and we're, there's a good few of us Kilkenny I had my Kilkenny jersey on for some reason I wore going to the concert I was only like 15 at the time yeah. we're rubbing it into these Wexford lads anyway thinking we were great and then went up obviously to the match on the Sunday went back up to Dublin again my father brought me up and like it was tit for tat, it was very close. And into the second half, Eddie Brennan got a goal. And he put Kenny head. I was like, "That's it. That's like Kenny gonna kick on now." Obviously, it didn't happen. Yeah. But Kenny were up. Kenny were up. That goal when it happened. There's a famous footage. Brian Cody collapses to the ground. He's I actually remember, beside yeah. the goal at the time when the goal goes in, and everyone from Wexford invaded the pitch after the match. Yeah. It wasn't even. I think it was a Leinster semi-final. Leinster semi-final. Wexford went on to beat Offaly in the final. Yeah. Actually, yeah. And then Damien Fitzhenry got a second Le- Leinster medal. But yeah, oh. that was a massive shot. But it was two thousand four. Was interesting in that Wardford beat Cork in that great Munster final. Wexford did the big shock, but both of them were beaten in the All Ireland semi-final and ended up being Cork versus Kilkenny in the yeah. final of the All Ireland, which was 
I remember at the time thinking, well, why is there the back door? <laughs> and Kilkenny and Cork be gone. gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would have been a Wexford Waterford other in the final. It might have been, geez, they might still be drinking after it. Um, so that was that was four. And then the last one I kind of went with a kind of a red herring. Um, it's an All-Ireland qualifier from 2010. Anthony Daly was managing the Dublin Hurlers and they had beaten Clare in the previous round. But they played this Antrim team that had, um, what's his name from Lockheed Shamrocks? Liam Watson playing yeah. a wing forward. And they had McManus, who was young, who's their main player now, playing for them. And Antrim beat Dublin 117 to 19 points in Crow Park. Dublin were six points up with about 20 minutes to go and cruising. And Antrim sco- outscored them eight points to one in that period. Um, Anthony Daly nearly stepped down as Dublin manager afterwards. He went on to have a very successful following 2011, yeah. 2011 and 2013 when they won the Leinster. But it, it was it was the last time Antrim actually reached the All-Ireland quarterfinal. They went on there and played... Go. Oh, Jesus, it's gone. I had it er- earlier. It wasn't Tipperary. It might have been Galway that they went on and played. Um, but that was a massive shock as well. So, look, I, I think... With the current crop of Lee McCarthy teams, the only big shock we might see is if Carlo can pull one over Dublin this weekend. The rest of the teams are probably in that bracket where if one team beats another, it's too close. Yeah, um, there's so probably no shocks now with Barry Carlo getting upset, really, yeah. isn't there? And it might be like you might think, oh, I'm surprised by something. I'm surprised Limerick won the All Ireland last year because they kind of came from a, yeah. a low base in terms of expectation, but there's never a shock shock mm. like having a big team like Kilkenny knocked out of the championship. Yeah. Very good, Giggles Corner. I don't think it'll be as controversial as last week's one. No, but I'd be very interested to hear from anyone if I've missed anything because I, I did it pretty quickly today now and um, I'm sure there's a shock or two there ever since 1990. So 1989, Antrim beat Noffley doesn't count. Uh, that was more than 30 years ago. But anything from 1990 to today, if I've missed anything, love to hear from any of the listeners. Right, get in touch with us on Academia on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. All right, coming up next, we're going to have a look at Last weekend's game between um, Galway and Wexford, which was described as a bit of a backstreet brawl. Do you ever feel like a misfit? Everything inside you is dark and twisted. Oh, but it's okay to be different. Because, baby, so am I. Vision, Davey, what was that about? No, there was, there was no tangle, right? It was an off-the-ball incident, right? And I made my feelings like... We've played him now twice... He didn't stay down for no reason, like, and that cost us a score, right? Now, I've seen other people come onto the field and make points and be just as animated. Yes, there's one fella, I, I'll get sent all the time, and I, I don't think it's personally fair myself. And if you look at the whole thing, I can promise you, you'll see more people giving out. But that official wanted to make a name for himself and fair play to him. He probably did. Poor old Davy Fitz. Small fish. That's their new jingle. I like it. It was a good one. <laughs> yeah, I was getting some feedback that people were sick of the same old jingles. And apologies for taking so long to make some new ones. I can't take the credit for the Ken McGraw one, uh, but I did make that one there. So, yeah, I think it's a good fit for Davy. And a good lead into this conversation about Wexford and Galway last weekend because... I think I think Leinster Jesus is nearly more more interesting than the Munster at the moment. It's like I think if you look at the table, it's you go from Carlow on zero, Dublin on one, Wexford on two, Galway on three, Kilkenny on four, and there's every chance that Kilkenny might make a Leinster final with the, the tough run of games that they have coming up. Um, but going back to the game at the weekend, um, I watched a lot of it. I didn't see it all, but 
it just felt like a game where the wind destroyed oh, it. The, it was ridiculous. Yeah. I, I woke up, it was on Saturday night, was it? Saturday. Oh no, it was on Sunday. It was on Sunday, it was on Sunday night. Yeah. I woke up Monday morning at six o'clock in the morning. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to get up here now and watch the match. Left my phone, didn't do anything, just turned it on. Half an hour in, I was like, oh my God, this is brutal. Yeah. Like the wides were shocking. Lads missing from the 21-yard line, missing freeze from the 21-yard line. And I appreciate the wind must have been ridiculous. But like watching on the telly, and they kept saying in the commentary about it was. But it was shocking gigs, wasn't it? It was. And, but Pierce Stadium has a reputation for that because it's, it's in Salt Hill. It's right beside the ocean. The Atlantic blowing in on top of you it's, it's an awful place to go and I'd say the Galway team themselves don't even like playing there to be honest because it's, it's not a great pitch there's, a, there's actually in Galway there's a pitch in Athenry which is a beautiful hurling pitch and that's where they used to play all the hurling games when they played the football games in Tume and I know all the Galway hurling people w- would way prefer to play the hurling games in Athenry because it's a great hur- pitch yeah. for hurling Pierce Stadium geez, I played there once or twice myself it's a massive pitch first of all it's huge and there's always a massive win. So Jesus, you could be on the sideline and you think you might be able to score and the ball doesn't even make the goal. It's, yeah. it's not a great pitch to play on. But look, Wexford and Galway, I'd say Davy will be happy enough with two draws after the first two away games. Away to Dublin, away to Galway, and he's coming out with two points and no loss. So Probably should have won both games though. Well, you could argue that Dublin were five points up with a couple of with, with yeah. ten minutes to go and they could have closed it out and Definitely should have won this game though. Like, I think they went a point up with Sean Murphy's point. Galway, to their credit, stuck in. But poor old Carl Dunbar. Like, I'd say he's probably he probably has this miss on his mind in repeat, and he's probably struggling to go to sleep for the last week because in any game with, with a minute to go, you're always waiting. You'd love to get the handy ball out to you that you're just standing one on one with the goalie and you can drive it into the net and you can go off and do your celebration. And he just he just he just drove it at Colin Callanan's boss. He just drove it at the the only yeah. place in the goal where the ball was was going to come off. And like fair play to Colin Callanan, but I don't think he knew anything about it to be honest. He just he just stayed big. It was a terrible miss. It was a ter- and and you know what people said? Jesus, he could have put it over the bar to say would have won the game. There was no way in the world anyone would put that ball. No, over you have the bar. to go for goal in that situation. Not, not yeah. a chance. So. Um, it, it, it's it's very interesting in Leinster right now. It's yeah. it's very competitive. Um, but, go, but on Galway, though, Giggles, do we t- touched on obviously the loss of Joe? And I know Joe was doing some work before the match in Pier Stadium. He was actually doing some rec- recovery work there, so he's actually on the, on the road to recovery. But they do look like they don't have a leader at the moment. Like in that first half in particular, even though Wexford were really struggling with the wind, Galway just looked kind of second gear, third gear. The game was there for them to actually really have Wexford nearly out of sight in that first half. But they just weren't firing. Yeah, no, it's true. And look, if you look back to last year, there must have been some reason why Michael Dunne, wasn't picking Jason Flynn and Niall Burke, because they're great hurlers. But do they have the kind of real bit between their teeth like Joe Canning does, like Conor Whelan does when, when, the, when the kind of pomp is on? And I think those two in particular, maybe Conor Cooney, who's coming off the back of a very tough campaign with St. Thomas's, just don't seem like they really are mad to win another All-Ireland, to put, to put it in, in those kind of terms. And I think if you've got three really good forwards and they're not, you know, like the, the TJ Reid or like the kick any hunger that they had for the last two games, then you're not going to be putting teams away and you're not going to be winning games. And you said they look like they don't have a leader. They don't. They, they, they do look like that. And they just don't look like they're hungry for it. They look like they're contented after winning All-Ireland. That's yeah. the kind of way they're playing. And what they're facing into now, Giggles, is a way to Kilkenny in uh, Nolan Park and then a way to Dublin. 
So technically, like if they were to lose to Kilkenny in Nolan Park, which I at the start of the campaign I would be like, oh, Kilkenny be under pressure. I'd be fancy Kilkenny for that for that game Kilkenny now. Kilkenny probably going slight favourites. Slight favourites. I think yeah. I think they could do it. If Galway are facing into the last game against Dublin up in Parallel Park with only two points on the board, like. Galway could, Galway's year could be over yeah, which be. no one would have predicted at the start for Leinster in particular no um, and it, it's very likely so Dublin are playing Carlo this weekend um, you, everyone's expecting Dublin to win I imagine this is one of the games that Carlo would have targeted so they had Carlo had Galway and Kilkenny up first like possibly the two hardest games you could get they did justified themselves really good against uh, Carlo last by six points they won the second half against Kilkenny, won 11 to 13 points. So they had a terrible first half, right? Kilkenny, you could argue, took the foot off the gas. But I would say Carlo will be coming into Dr. Cullen Park this weekend thinking, well, why not? Why can't we beat the dubs? And I think Colin Bonner was interviewed during the week and his kind of comments were around, well, we still have a chance of qualifying, which was an amazing kind of comment to mm. show the positivity that he does have. Um, and you've made a change to your fantasy hurling team. I've made a change to my fantasy hurling team. I actually I got it wrong earlier who I took off. Who did I take? I took off because Carlo are playing two games in this block and someone like Claire weren't. I think I might I think I took off Jamie Barron and I've put in Marty Kavanagh, who was the, the, main, full forward. the main the full forward for Carlo and he was scoring fairly highly. I think anybody who was really clued into the fantasy hurling had him in from the start and they're they're right up the top of the table. Sean, he'll be listening to this now and he'll do the same make thing changes. tomorrow. Yeah. I won't put it out until later <laughs> the episode so he can't, can't make changes. But, um, yeah, the Galway are an enigma. Wexford, I think, are in a great position. So they, they'll really fancy the beat in Carlo. That means they're guaranteed four points. And I think, I haven't done all the permutations, but I think four points guarantees you third. It guarantees you third. Does it though? Yeah, because I think... Can you run four now? Yeah, I know. So if Claymore's lose the next two games, Galway were to win two... And Wexford were to win so you'd, one. You'd have to actually go down and just do all the things. The we, won't it, we won't do that now. And I, I think that'll be a job four, for you, Giles, for next four, week. Four. Next week. If, if, but if you think about the maximum number of points, actually, probably in Leinster, if Carlo don't take any points off anyone, it's probably possible for all four teams to level on four. But if, if there's one, if there's one team that goes ahead, then four points will definitely get you there. And that's where Kilkenny's win over Carlo and their score difference could come into play. Like Wexford only beat them by six points. Galway or sorry, Galway only yeah. beating Carlo by six points could end up actually costing Galway a place in the rest of the Ireland Championship. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, Wexford I think will beat Carlo, and they'll be on four points. And their other game is against Dublin. No, sorry, their other game is against Kilkenny in Wexford Park. Correct. I'm actually going to be at that, which is going to be a massive game as well. I can imagine there's going to be a massive atmosphere down there, and I'm sure Davy and, and Brian Cody will be uh, toe to toe, toe to toe. So it's. It's it's in, like well, Kilkenny are in prime position as you said. They've got two very tough games coming up. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah. But like, if you beat Galway in Ola Park, oh, you're, in you're sweet. Yeah, you know what exactly. I mean. So and Kilkenny haven't beaten Galway in I think it's four competitive games. So Brian Cody would not want and either Lanny of one like Kilkenny, no, no, yeah. but to lose to Galway in Ola Park, they'll be putting down a marker, and I think that could be a key game for Kilkenny to see. Well, do you know what? Are Kilkenny in the shake up of this Ireland championship this year? Yeah. It's yeah. a fair point. It's yeah. a fair point. So, Carlo Dublin, Giggles predictions? Uh, I'm going to go with Dublin. Um, Dublin, but not by a big margin. Okay. Less than six. I'm going to go with Dublin, similar margin too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing how that one goes. Hopefully, Carlo get a good crowd down Dr. Dr. Cullen Park again. And it would be great to see an upset. It would be great to see a shock. Yeah. Um, and it also probably do Kilkenny, Dublin, or Kilkenny, Dublin, and Wexford all a favour as well. Oh, Kilkenny. Okay, 
Or would you do Kilkenny and Wexford? In Galway. In Galway, a favour. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing a massive favour. Massive favour. So, best of luck to Carlo at the weekend. All right, next up, we'll wrap up and we'll let you know how our competition and people are tracking. It's always, you know, great to, you know, to say that you walk the steps of Crow Park and you lifted the McCarthy Cup, like, and, but, you know, we never changed one bit from the day we started, let's say, our first game with, with Glenmore. Going back to your locals and the people that you're brought up with and you're reared with, and there's, there's nothing like coming back there. Like. The one the fancy oh, open top bus line, I think we had Duggins, Richard Duggins lorry, and up on the back of the lorry and off down. It's just lovely country, and a few bonfires. Eddie um, Willie O'Connor there. There's, there's an insight into all the Kilkenny people kind of easily. That is an absolutely brilliant Laker Gale because yeah. it's a Laker Gale on the board of them. Yeah, it is. Nice. And like to talking about Willie talking about Eddie, how hard done by he was when he got dropped off the Kilkenny panel. Eddie was still one of the best cornerbacks in the county <laughs> at the time and not even a phone call he was given that he was dropped. Like, honestly, go back and watch it on YouTube. You'll cry laughing watching it. But two brilliant Kilkenny hurlers. Two cornerbacks you wouldn't fancy coming across. Oh, no, definitely not. No, no definitely not. Well, Giggles, that brings us to the end of, of today's show. Um, Giggles originally didn't want us to have an episode tonight. It wasn't on his schedule, but I think it, we were the better for it, Giggles. Oh, yeah, no, great episode. And great to hear from Tom Murphy and the WAPs. I didn't realise that until you said it to me during the week. And like that's just f- sensational, yeah. bringing 21 Aussies, who have Irish parents, most of them, over to play in the Vale and the Gale. And I can guarantee, I can, I can imagine the thing, because I think my dad we used to chain underage teams and there's more they used to have to bring Dan Shanahan's birth start around with him when they were going to play underage <laughs> games and I can imagine the shock now of some of the the, the, the crowd in Ahada and the crowd in Westmead and the, whoever they'd be six foot them. plus they'd be like who are these lads yeah, <laughs> and they could yeah. come up against a Tommy Wells style player and you're like oh sure it'd be yeah. hilarious yeah, it'd be but I, I'd love to uh, we must keep track of, of their progress and see how they go in the failing game it'll be, it'll be amazing to see yeah amazing trip coming up for all of them so um, we, we'll definitely keep track and keep everyone posted here on G'day so thanks very much for tuning in today. Um, we do have some beautiful new O'Neill's G'day GA gear arriving early next week, Giggles. We'll, and some of it will be given away as some, some prizes. We do have our 50th episode coming up very shortly. We have some lovely G'day GA baseball caps, trucker caps coming. So nice. uh, black and navy variations. <laughs> uh, we've also got some nice new tops coming as well. So we'll, a chance for the listeners to win some of those too. Um, so thanks very much to O'Neill's for sponsoring today's episode. Please visit O'Neill's on at O'Neill Sports AU on Facebook and on um, Instagram and we'll be back with you next week looking forward to another brilliant weekend ahead and review what's happened last weekend Giggles thanks very much for coming along today cool thanks for having me Liam yeah and uh, we have a match ourselves this Sunday hopefully we'll get over the line against Shamrocks bring on the Shamrocks <laughs>